Episode 199, Nicole Greer, CEO of Build a Vibrant Culture. My favorite mistake in my career um, is giving myself away. I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes. Because we all make mistakes. But what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth, and professional success. Visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For more information about Nicole, look for a link in the show notes or go to markraven.com slash mistake199. As always, thanks for listening. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. My guest today is Nicole Greer. She's a principal coach and CEO of her company, Build a Vibrant Culture, who specializes in helping individuals, corporations, faith-based organizations, and nonprofits fulfill their mission and exemplify what she calls vibrant leadership. And I think we'll have a chance to talk about that concept today. So for the last uh, 20 plus years, Nicole's worked as a coach, a marketing director, a sales trainer, and what she calls a master of first impressions. Um, so she's worked um, with uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people and organizations, and she founded Vibrant Coaching. So she works today as a speaker, trainer, facilitator, and coach. You can find her website at vibrantcoaching.com. So Nicole, thank you for being here. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm delighted. Thank you, Mark, so much for the invitation. Uh, well, thank you for accepting it. And so, you know, the the first question I have to ask, though, is like, what what do you mean? What what is a master of first impressions? <laughs> well, I have been in the business of you know impressing people out of the gate for a long time. I was uh, the daughter of a gentleman who ran a beautiful boutique store in St. Louis, Missouri, and he took me to work every Saturday because back in the day you didn't have babysitters and you just, you know, took your children and they decided to behave. And so from a very early stage of life, I was very good at behaving. <laughs> and I found as I watched my father and all of the of the beautiful women and of course Sal, the gentleman in the shoe department, uh, run their business, they were so good at making this first impression and making people feel warm. Um, you know, one of the things we know about first impressions is if I smile at Mark, Mark's going to smile right back at me. You know, this whole thing of mirror neurons, it's a thing. I didn't know that when I was like eight years old. Uh, but uh, I, I learned how to do retail from a very front young age. And, and I think that that taught me a lot about making a good first impression. It's just about smiling and putting some good, vibrant energy out there. Yes. Well said. So thank you for making a, a great first impression here for the <laughs> oh, episode and the audience. I, I, I hope I'm um, doing the same. So, um, you know, Nicole, there's a lot that we can talk about related to your work and leadership and coaching. But as, as we always do here, the real first question, the main first question, you know, across the different things that you've done, what would you say is your favorite mistake? Uh, my favorite mistake in my career um, is giving myself away, not realizing my value. Uh, I, for a very, very long time, you know, people would offer me positions or they would offer me a job or they would offer me a promotion and they would say, this is what we can pay you. And I would just be like, okay, because, you know, I've just always been so excited to serve again, back to that, you know, upbringing that I had where customer service was, you know, how you did things. So uh, I think I got confused between what 
providing service and value um, and then getting paid for it. So I had a little disconnect there for a good while. So how did you, so it sounds like there was kind of a pattern and maybe, you know, we talked through a couple scenarios. How, how did you realize then that that was a mistake that you were making? Well, I, I'm really blessed. I have a wonderful, very smart husband and uh, we got married and I was in the property management business. So my first career was in restaurant work, um, you, know, you know, before, well, I was with daddy at the store, but then I went into restaurant work, uh, which I adored food and beverage. I think that's wonderful. People, everybody should have to be a bartender or wait tables or be a hostess or cook in the kitchen or do the dishes or something. That's such a good training ground. Uh, and then I got in property management. Well, uh, I was running a beautiful apartment community and the gentleman in charge of the company gave me a call and he said, listen, Nicole, I have a really great opportunity for you. You know, and I said, okay, <laughs> he said, we, we would like you to continue to run your apartment community. Okay. So you're going to keep your old job. Plus what we're going to do is we're going to ask you to be the marketing director for the city of Charlotte, North Carolina. And I said, okay, that sounds fun, you know. And I said, well, what would what would be required to me? And he said, well, you know, you would begin to, you know, build the customer relationship management process. You would go out and do business development. You would attend these meetings. Uh, but I want to be clear, Nicole, you're going to be running your apartment community, making sure things are all systems go, and you're meeting your profit and loss goals and all this kind of stuff. I said, okay, and. I, I left the conversation without even inquiring about compensation for these new responsibilities. I just thought he's putting this new task on my plate, mm. but really it was a whole nother job. I was just going to say that's, that's, that's a job, <laughs> not a task. I mean, there's a whole job description around that commensurate with a salary. So, 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 so what happened then? I mean, did you continue diving into that? We'll call it opportunity. <laughs> what, what, yeah. what happened? Well, I went home and, you know, I, again, I have this, you know, kind of a, a little bit of an uh, maybe overly optimistic, you know, view of the world. Uh, and I go home and I tell my, my husband, I said, listen, what happened to me today? I got this opportunity, this new thing that they want me to do. They want me to go out and market. And I think that'll be really help me and grow my resume and, you know, make me more valuable. And he's like, well, how much are they going to pay you? Right. And I was like, oh, <laughs> I forgot to ask that question, you know, because I've, I've always just been so eager to please, so eager to do the customer service piece um, that sometimes you get confused about really the value that you're bringing. And, and I'm, I'm betting, Mark, that people are listening to this going, oh, my gosh, my plate's overflowing. Am I getting paid when I should be, be getting paid? I think it's really important to sit down and take a look at things. So, yeah, so I want to dig into some of that, like, you know, tips um, and advice for others, but, but, but help us kind of, you know, resolve the story. Did, did you, did you push back on what they were asking or did, did you, you could try it and tolerate it for, for so long? What happened? No. And that's, that's the big mistake. I wasn't brave enough. I wasn't courageous enough to get up the next day and go back and say, Hey, you know, I, I thought about this overnight and I, you know, all I had to say was I simply forgot to inquire, you know, what, how will my compensation change as I take on this big responsibility? 
Um, and I think that, you know, that's the biggest mistake, not being brave enough to take care of yourself. So I, I went ahead and did it. And I did learn a lot. And here's the really good news. They did not promote me to like some, you know, corporate marketing person. But what they did do is I I, I think they saw, you know, this gal works hard. She'll do anything we ask. Be careful right there. Um, but they did end up promoting me and I did get into the to the home office. And 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 from that point forward, um, you know. I decided I'm really going to get paid what what I'm worth. So when I finally got promoted to the home office, you know, I made sure that, you know, I, I, you know, and I, isn't it wonderful? I have David Greer in my life. So I sat down with him, coached and counseled with him, reached out to some friends across the industry, you know, like, you know, what does this position pay in your company? Right. And this was back in, you know, the nineties. So, you know, this is before we could look things up on Glassdoor and whatever. Um, So I really had to do my homework. And so I think you can still look at the glass doors. You can go on Indeed. You can look at all these different places. That's my first tip, you know, go, go ask these uh, hiring websites, you know, what, the position pays that you're in or the one you're aiming for. Um, but then also you need to develop an incredible network of friends inside of uh, your industry where they can, they can help guide you and coach you. Yeah. So you, you did that double duty. It didn't kill you. So it made you stronger. <laughs> right. Yeah. You could say that. And, and I do have an incredible amount of energy, even, even as old as I am today at 56, I had that same, I have the same energy that I had when I was like 26. <laughs> so, um, and, and I, you know, my thing is, again, I, I love people. I've never met a stranger. I'm very good at networking. And, and I do believe, you know, the old saying, uh, I know, I don't think it's a hundred percent true, but there is some partial truth in the old saying, you know, it's not what you know, it's who, you know, um, because I've, if I met people, I usually got an opportunity and then I was scrappy enough to figure out what I was doing, you know? And I think, uh, is scrappy still a thing? I think it is. Is it, is I, it a thing, Mark? I think that word was <laughs> popularized by, um, the musical Hamilton of the phrase oh. young, young, scrappy and hungry. If I, I think oh. I got that right. I'm not going to try to sing, but. Yeah. Well, maybe that's why I love Hamilton so much. I've seen it twice <laughs> and my daughter comes home from college and we, in the kitchen, we're in our white sweat socks doing the entire, uh, you know, show, uh, singing at the top of our lungs. So, all yeah. right. I love that. It's a Hamilton thing. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm going to try to think of some other, okay, well, maybe it'll just come up naturally. I'm not going to force um, other Hamilton <laughs> references here. But, I mean, well, so being vibrant. Okay. I am going to bring it back to a Hamilton thing again. Okay. Um, All right. The advice that Aaron Burr gave Aaron um, Alexander Hamilton. Yeah. Talk less, smile more. I mean, oh, I don't know if that's good advice, but I mean, like when, when it comes to being vibrant, I mean, I'm not trying to suggest really it means talking less, but um, I mean, like what, before we talk about vibrant leadership, like what, tell me more about just to you, what that word vibrant means in terms of personality. Yeah. Well, what it means to me is that the person who is vibrant um, is plugged in to the work that brings them to life. Okay. So all of us on planet earth have uh, what's called a unique ability. Uh, and I learned that 
term uh, from a um, Dan Sullivan, who is a very famous coach. And uh, I took the process of unique ability and I sat down and I looked at it and I figured out what my own things were. And I'm like, you know, it's so true. If Nicole Greer is using her unique ability, the things that she loves, the things that she is good at, the things that come naturally to her, although she does work on them to make them, you know, even more vibrant, right? So that I'm illuminating, igniting, um, and energizing the people around me. That is what we need to do with our teams. So a person, so I have a, I have a person that works with me. Her name's Terry Baltziger. And I want to tell you, she's the most amazing woman in my life. She is nothing like me. She has a whole different set (laughs) of unique abilities. Uh, and they are to sit quietly focus on things, run the project through the process, do the accounting, make sure the calendar's right, send the reminders, do the details. And when she's doing that, she's lit. I mean, she is like on fire. She's like a firecracker. I got that done. I got that done. I got that done. Now, while her activity is like a firecracker, you know, the ones that you you light on 4th of July and you throw them in the air, it's a pop, 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 pop. That's how hers is. And my energy is, you know, forward facing, lots of words, as you can mm-hmm. tell. You know, yeah. and I'm shedding that light out there and ho- helping to hope, helping and hoping to help people learn something. I'm a teacher, really. Mm, I mean, yeah. you know, if you boiled it down, that's really what I do. Yeah. So, yeah, when you've got that that purpose, um, boy, yeah, that can present itself in different ways. It could be smiling. Um, Alexander Hamilton it probably presented more, at least as, as portrayed in in the musical. You know, they, they kept asking him, why why do you write like you're running out of time? Like he was driven, but it probably mm. was a more serious, like maybe inspiring, but it a different form of vibrant leadership, perhaps. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, he, as I understand, now everybody correct me as we go along here, put it in the comments or whatever, but I mean, like, you know, he, he had training as an attorney, as I understand, right? But also he was an orphan, you know, his mother passed and he came to America. And um, I think sometimes people are lit with this other thing, like this desire to prove themselves. And, um, and, and, and the thing about Alexander Hamilton is like, you know, hello, George Washington's like, this boy can write. (laughs) So, you know, he saw that little light. And the way I see George Washington and Hamilton's relationship is like George tended it. In fact, um, I read um, a novel about Hamilton and um, he said, you know, let me go fight in the war. I think that's in the musical too. You know, let me go fight. And George's like, no, no, I need you right here doing Mm -hmm. what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. So I think that's what it was. He was writing like he was running out of time uh, because he just wanted to prove himself so much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, as you've touched on it, it goes to show, you know, within a team, um, there are different leadership um, styles. There are certainly different personality types and, and different roles to play. So that, that can all be part of a leadership team, but, you know, but back to your phrase, Vibrant leadership. I mean, how how do you define that? I'm sure you've got kind of a, a very specific way of taking just the general theme of vibrant, what it means to be a vibrant leader. Yeah. So um, I, I, my little acronym uh, that I teach people is we, you know, if you want to build a vibrant culture, you want to be a vibrant leader, you want to demonstrate vibrant leadership, you got to get lit. 
And people love that. They laugh at first. They're like, get lit. And I'm like, yes, but not that kind of lit, a different kind of lit. And so, um, you know, if you, if you got lit on, uh, say alcohol, you'd be full of spirits. Are you with me right now? (laughs) Right. Right? Uh If you you had a couple bourbons, you'd get lit. Right. So, uh, instead of using alcohol, what you would do is you would, again, um, lead from within. That's the L, right? So again, I use my unique ability. I know what I'm good at. I know what I am um, competent at. And then I know what I'm incompetent at. And I think vibrant leaders are transparent and they tell the people around them, here, listen, this is how I got to this level. I can do this stuff. And I need all you smart people (laughs) that work for me to do all the other stuff because, you know, I'm either competent at it or frankly, I'm incompetent. And you all have complementary skills and unique ability that together, now don't miss this, like a fire, right? Vibrant means illuminated, lit. So if I'm building a fire, I got like four logs and we got to keep this lit all year. And so I have Mark who's on my team, he's got four different logs. He puts those on the fire. And then I've got Terry and she puts four logs on the fire. And then I've got all my other employees or associates. And I need all that fuel to, to get this thing vibrant, you know, to make it flame up and make it, you know, number one. And so um, it's all about, you know, everybody bringing their gifts, their fuel to the process um, in that unique way. So that's, that's the first thing. So lead from within. What in you do you have to bring to the party and figure that out so i think that's important so then what what's what's the rest of that framework then so that's the l there's an i right yeah an i and a t that's right and so the i is about integrity and when i talk about integrity i make people upset mark so um i'm just gonna you know say you know please just listen for a second (laughs) okay so uh, if I go and I speak in front of an audience, what I, which I often do, and I say, how, you know, if I said, how many of you are men and women of integrity, Mark, every single hand goes in the air. Sure. Who doesn't want to admit to themselves or especially to others? I mean, yeah, the, even social pressure means your hand would go up, but. A hundred percent. And it's like, you know, then, then I do this thing. I shock the audience and I say, well. It's great that you want to be a person of integrity, but here's the truth about integrity. None of us, not myself included, are ever 100% in integrity all the time. And so my joke is, is, you know, write down the word halt, H-A-L-T. You know, people usually are not their best selves. And, you know, when you're in integrity, you're your best self. You're on your best behavior. Um, But we're not our best selves when we're hungry, we're angry. We're lonely and we're tired. Uh, you know, you'll, usually those four things put us in a state where we're not as nice as we need to be, not as cordial, not as good a colleague, um, maybe not as truthful. Dare I say that? You know, you know, not as courageous, not as brave. And you know, I shared my greatest mistake with you um, when I didn't go the next day back and say, "Hey." I'm really excited about doing all this marketing for y'all. And I I realized I made an error and I should have talked to you about compensation. See, I lacked a serious character trait called courage or bravery. And so I was out of integrity 
because I didn't do what I knew was right. I took the easy yeah. way out. Yeah. Oh, well, I appreciate you admitting that. I mean, I want to come back. I was going to ask you, you know, some thoughts on what it means to show others grace. I mean, you, without trying to sound like I'm lecturing you, you know, you, you, you could show yourself grace over, you know, you were sure uh, you were in that situation. Um, you know, um, instead of framing it as lack of courage, it could be framed as, I don't know how else to put it. Like, um, you know, if, if you were, you know, sometimes people are in an environment, I'm thinking of different scenarios where, let's say in healthcare, you'll hear sometimes people lecture, you know, people in healthcare, you, know, you have an obligation to speak up, you should be courageous. But the truth is, it can be really dangerous to speak up about certain things. And like, is it fair to ask someone to be courageous when there could be risk of um, being harmed in some way? You know, so I think there's an obligation for leaders, you know, to create an environment of, of safety where it is safe. hundred percent. So I don't know what the direct parallel is to your situation there, but I, I guess, I guess my encouragement is, you know, not to be too hard on yourself about that. I think a lot of us, I agree that boy, they were putting you in a, they were almost, they were taking advantage of you. That was, um, I, maybe that's a little strongly stated, but they were, they were putting you in a tough position, I would say. Yeah. Well, you know, here's one thing that, that I, you know, I look back at that, you know, again, I'm 30 years older than I was then, you know, and when I look back at that, I think, you know, she, she, she was not brave. However, she uh, learned from the lesson, right? Mm -hmm. So that, that's, mm -hmm. that's where you get back in integrity, right? You know, it's like the minute you go, oh, <laughs> I should ask for compensation, you know, and you go, I'm, and the day you say, oh, I'm never going to let that happen again. That's when you restore your integrity. And I, I think what you were saying about healthcare, you know, be careful. Um, so there's this other character trait called being discerning and, or to practice discernment. Um, and so I think that's one of those character traits um, that, you know, like you'll make a split decision or you'll not think about the risks, you know, and, and well, if I do this, will I make people angry? You know, the, the kind of the thing you were saying. Um, but if you're in there and you practice that discernment, then you'll be the kind of person that's like, okay, this is a place where I'm not going to be courageous. And this is a place where I am going to be mm -hmm. courageous. Um, so, yeah. you know, I yeah. have this list of 48 commendable traits and when I work with teams and, uh, you know, in, in fact, when I work with a personality assessment that I use called the tilt, I give this out to people. In fact, I'd be glad to give it to all your listeners. Um, but there's 48 commendable traits. And, you know, just get your head wrapped around that. I mean, like, who could be exercising all 48 of these at the same time? I mean, that would, that's Herculean stuff. Um, but if you look at integrity that way, that there's many facets to integrity, and using those traits skillfully, to your point, is what's really essential. Then, then you're in integrity. Like I realize character is important, mm -hmm. and I'm using it intentionally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we can celebrate, and I'm glad you kind of brought the story back, Nicole, to not just the mistake, but then more importantly, this is what we try to celebrate here: the learning. Right. <laughs> Figuring out how to not repeat the mistake as as you were able to um, demonstrate later on in, in, in your career. So um, we've got lead from within, integrity, 
And I don't think we've gotten the tea yet. Yeah, to close the so loop the tea, on getting lit. Yeah, so tea is all about transformation. And I I belong to um uh, the American Association of Change Management, which if that is a wonderful organization, please go join. And I belong to my local chapters as well. I have studied change management. I'm an OD person. You know, I got all that stuff. And one of the things that kind of makes me insane about this change business <laughs> um, is that people keep saying change is hard and people don't like to change. And so that's just the totally wrong way to approach change with your team. First of all, don't sit down and go, we're going to do this and it's going to be hard. Well, that's not very motivational. <laughs> you know, that is totally taking everybody down the feeling scale. So I want everybody to realize that building a vibrant culture and being a vibrant leader and being uh, having vibrant leadership skills is that you are a change agent. Mm. Yeah. Period. Yeah. That's what you do. You change stuff. And it's as simple as back to my daddy's store he worked at. It was called Franklin Simon. It was this bougie boutique place. I mean, those people were constantly changing the inside of that store. We're going to take this mannequin out of the window. We're going to put different clothes on that mannequin. You know, it, it, we're we're in the spring season, so let's put take down the winter display. Put up the spring display. You know, that there's only two of these left. Put two of them on the sale rack. I mean, you know, it was the whole things change, and that's a that's kind of a fun example, especially, especially for those of you who like to shop. Um, but if I worked in a, uh, you know, a dental office yesterday, I went to the dentist. Look at my teeth, Mark. Aren't they pretty? So anyways, I went to the dentist. And when I went to the dentist, um, I could tell that this dental office was running on, you know, all eight cylinders. And like I got home before I got home, it said, you know, how was your visit? You know, it was in my email box. Anything that we could do to make things better. There's an organization that's all about constant mm -hmm. transformation. Sure. Yeah. So we have to stop talking about ch like change management, something we do sometimes. It's what we do all the time. Yeah. There's, mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think th there's a difference between how you react when change is imposed on you by others versus when you are able to initiate change. I I, I I I I hate that generalization of how people don't like change. I mean, like, oh, me too. People don't like to be told what to do. That might be more directionally uh, correct. <laughs> yeah, and so um, you know, and here's the thing about people is you know I'm going to go back to the point you made earlier. It was really good. You said there's all these different personalities. So. Uh, the way I have been taught is, you know, I'm I'm certified in all this stuff. Myers-Briggs, DISC, PEP, TILT, I mean, ALP, the list goes on and on. But essentially, there are four quadrants to most personality profiles. One of those quadrants is somebody who has a strong opinion. And do we need strong opinions? We absolutely do. Uh, who's got a strong opinion? who's outspoken, who's got that energy, who's got that drive, who who, uh, who is Alexander Hamilton, who is writing like he is running out of time. There's a constant sense of urgency. Okay. These people um, are fantastic transformers, the T in lit for our uh, acronym. And, and they like change, especially if you challenge them with it. Like that's how you say, do you think you could help me change this? 
Yeah. I'm thinking you're the right person to help me. <laughs> right. Engage and they go, them. you know, you're yes. right. Yeah. yeah. I am the right person, you know? And so they have that energy. And so you're calling in Alexander Hamilton, you know, to help you change the day and change the financial system and, or not change it, set up the financial system for the United States of America. Um, so there, it's how you talk to that person. Now, the other quadrant is the person who is uh, very talkative, like your guest on your podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> are you a, are you a Myers Briggs extrovert by chance? I am flaming extrovert all the way in the outlier <laughs> position, but anyway, I'm working on it. It's a lifelong thing. I'm, I'm, but... <laughs> I'm an introvert, by the way, so that's why I'm I'm happy to let you talk. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, so. I, an extrovert, as you said, um, I have lots of ideas, lots of energy, lots of enthusiasm. I'm optimistic. And so if if Mark is in my leader and he comes to me and he says, Nicole, I, you always see the sunny side of things and how things will work. I've got this idea rolling around in my head and I need you to help me implement it. What are all the things you would do? So we're not calling it a change. We're calling it an idea. That's her favorite thing on the planet is a new idea. And so she's in there brainstorming with you. Now, 12 of her ideas will be great. And 27 of them, mm, we're not sure. <laughs> so, But you got a whole gamut of things that you can work with, right? So she's the brainstormer. All right. The third person is this person that is like seriously a steady eddy, solid, go with the flow, accommodating customer service from the heart, just just great, solid folks on your team. Uh, and they don't they don't mind things changing either as long as you say it the right way. And here's how you say it to that group. We have been taking a couple of ideas and we've been talking about them. I talked to this group, which was your you know your 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 opinionated get her done group. We talked to the idea group. Uh, and now we're coming to you because you know what? You kind of understand how everything's going to hit everybody in the organization. We know you care deeply about people. So we want to show you this idea. Now, notice how my tone changed. Sure. That's how we talk. <laughs> <laughs> Would you please tell us how you think this might impact all the stakeholders? Mm -hmm. And if you were going to support this idea, what strategies would support everybody? We need your help. You're so good at helping. And then finally, you have your last group of people. And these people are conscientious, solid, steady, reliable, organized, methodical. They want a plan. They want project management process. And so you go to them and you say, this is going to be as short as possible. <laughs> I've brought a diagram and an Excel spreadsheet with my ideas on it. <laughs> I would like you, to, you guys and gals to help me get this in a methodical format. And I would like you to definitely find the flaws. Yeah. Would you please point out where this is not going to work? And then would you offer ideas to fix it? Yeah. That's, I mean, all, those are all great examples of engaging people in change instead of forcing it upon them. Yeah. And so don't miss that. You got to figure out who's who and you got to have four meetings. But unfortunately, the leader just sends out an email. This is happening. And then, of course, water cooler break room slack goes mad. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So. Well, um, Nicole, I want to ask you one other question, and I'm going to put a link to this in the show notes. Again, our guest is um, Nicole Greer. 
there was an article you wrote on LinkedIn called The Love Habit. And, you know, it's funny when I as an engineer who started working in healthcare, it was the first time I'd ever heard the word love in like a workplace professional caring environment. Um, you know, mm. felt like, you know, HR violation to use the word love back in the manufacturing really? company. Don't be inappropriate or whatever. But oh my goodness. Great article. And, the, and there was that word or this idea of showing others grace. So you mm-hmm. you wrote uh, you know uh, really well about this in the piece, but let me ask you for those who are listening, what what does that mean to you of uh, showing others grace? Yeah, so grace in the definition I use is unmerited favor. So that's that's the definition of grace, and what that means is that you may not deserve my love but I'm going to give it to you anyways. I'm going to be generous, right? Now, here's the thing. Uh, Remember the part where I was saying that, you know, um, sometimes you're out of integrity and you don't do things right, or you don't follow through on your promises or whatever your thing was that day, because you were hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Uh, So sometimes you fall short and you're going to, because you're a human. And so if you don't extend grace it's very hard to get grace. And there's going to be a day you're going to need a little grace. You're going to need somebody to go, oh, bless her heart, Nicole Greer. She takes on too much. She tries too much, whatever her, you know, her personality flaws are, you know, so she messed up, but I'm going to help her clean up her act. I'm going to help her clean up the situation and we're going to move forward because this isn't something you're going to, you know, here's the thing at work, people do things and you go, you judge it dare I say that, just check yourself. You judge what people do and you kind of start to uh, put them in one category or the other, which is I like them. They're good. I don't like them. They're bad. I mean, like these are very simple categories. Sure. Right. <laughs> and you, we can't do that because here's how our, our work worlds are. Uh, we work with large numbers of people across the globe now, across the country, um, from one house on that corner, that house on that corner remotely or whatever we're doing. And and we people aren't going to get fired over a small misstep, you know, like not hitting a deadline or something like that. And, you know, if we could get in there and talk to that person about, oh my gosh, Nicole, I'm calling you because I care. Okay, and insert the word love right there if it's HR appropriate, because I love you. Um, Tell me what happened. Oh, my gosh. You know, I was late because my daughter was sick all night. And actually, honestly, I just didn't get it on my calendar. Yeah. Does does any of this ring with anything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. (laughs) And so you find out the real reason. And you say, Mm -hmm. well, next time you get in that position, would you please call me, even if it's nine o'clock at night, so we can yeah. hit the deadline? Yeah. Because well, we're human. We are. And it demonstrates um, seeking first to understand. I mean, you know, the one other line that I, I pulled out oh, yeah. from the article is you know, that offering grace is love that focuses on maintaining relationships rather than a personal desire or need uh, to be right. And, and, and I'll share mm. reflection there are times when I have gotten myself in trouble, not like sent to HR or fired, but where it's damaged relationships, of course. that personal desire or need to be right can be very counterproductive at times. So that's something I've tried working on. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'll try to show myself some grace over past missteps. Right. Well, you know, when I got my first coaching training, um, I got, you know, they give you a certificate or whatever. And, and it was so valuable. Um, but the master coach was, was this wonderful guy, Dave Cowan. And, uh, he told me this one time, he said, Nicole, uh, let, let's do this. No one gets to be wrong, only partially right. We were, we were kind of debating something back and forth. And he was just like, well, here's the thing. I think I'm right about part of it and you're right about part of it. Let's take our two right parts and put them together uh, instead of, right. their, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and that was so helpful to me. And I was like, that's, that's exactly right. No one gets to be wrong, only partially right. Yeah. There's a lot less hard feelings in there. Yes. Well, that's well said. So, okay. One final, final question, um, Nicole, okay. you know, when you talk about coaching leaders, um, one thing we talked about the first time we had chatted, um, hasn't really come up here yet today. It might be a good point to end the episode on. What is your approach or what what have you done? How have you tried to coach leaders who struggle with this question of how should I react to mistakes when they're brought to my attention, when I see them being made in the workplace? Yeah. So I'm a huge believer in feedback. Um, And so here's an oldie but a goodie. Everybody go buy this book. It's called How Full Is Your Bucket? Okay. And so this is really good because it matches our love thing that we were just doing. Um, So in that book, they talk about how everybody is walking around with an emotional bank account. And so depending on what's going on at home, how the drive-in was, how your boss looked at you in the meeting, you know, what your coworker did or did not do, whatever. All day long, that emotional bank account is, is either getting things added to it you're getting a deposit or you're getting uh, a debit. Somebody's stealing some of your emotion, like your joy <laughs> or your happiness. So all day long, you're going up and down in your emotional bank account. Well, uh, when I coach leaders, I tell leaders, it is your number one job to keep that 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 person lit, right? Keep your employees vibrant. And so what you do is you give them so much positive feedback. Now, when I say that, I'm not saying make stuff up. I am not saying that. That's so important that people hear that. I'm saying catch people doing things right. There's another old book called The One Minute Manager. If you don't have that one, that's an oldie but a goodie. Go get that. And in there, they talk about managing by walking around. So go catch people doing things right. And when you catch them, you're so specific on how you give the feedback. And the formula is called a C3. Circumstances, conduct, and consequences. So if I catch Mark Graben doing something fantastic, this is what I say. Mark, today at the beginning of this podcast, you greeted me with a smile. You welcomed me with open arms. You made sure I felt good and I was our internet was ready to go. And consequently, I felt like I was in good hands and that I I was going to have an awesome experience. And that is so important to me. So thank you. So you're you're very welcome. If you, you're, and didn't, what do you think? Did did you feel good? Did you get an emotional deposit just now? Yes. Very much. Yeah. So, so here's what I did. I said at the beginning of this podcast, that's, that's the, um, um, circumstances. When it happened, then I said the conduct, I said, 
He smiled, welcomed, he got me prepared, he checked the internet, and then what were the consequences? When Mark does all these things, this thing happened. (laughs) I felt good, I was ready, I'm excited, I'm having a great experience. Whoa, that's how you build a vibrant culture. Do more of that. See, I didn't say, you did such a great job when we got on the call. It wasn't vague. It wasn't. I mean, like, you're like, well, thank you. Right. But here's what's going to happen. The next podcast that Mark has, he's going to repeat those behaviors because he got such good feedback that that's successful. And it's the same thing with the people at work, you know. Uh, So if you are in a meeting, I bet you all of you people listening to this have to go to these things called meetings. (laughs) So pay attention to the behavior of people in meetings. And so the example of a positive piece of feedback, uh, a C3 would be, um, you know, say Lily's on our team, say, Lily, you know, in the, in the meeting today, when we were talking about project X, you asked lots of questions. You were curious and you offered three ideas, one of which I think we're going to use. And consequently, I'm sitting here thinking, I am so lucky to have Lily on my team. She's very driven. We're going to be a success. Those will be the consequences of that. And Lily's like, well, geez, Nicole, I was just doing my job. But see, Lily's going to get in her car and she's going to think about that. And that's going to make her feel good. And she's going to want to go to bed, get up early and come back to work and help some more. Now, if somebody is bad, has bad behavior, they lose integrity. Okay, so don't miss my eye <laughs> in, uh, in lit. It's like when people are not good, they're, they're out of integrity. That's why we're not all in integrity all the time. So let's say it's, it's a different meeting with a different team. And we have, I'm going to call him George. So George uh, does not behave in the meeting. And I call him into my office privately, of course. uh, And I say to him, George, at the very end of the staff meeting, and then I pause and I say, do you remember the very end of the staff meeting? Uh, And when you ever you give um, corrective feedback, you've got to really get the person tuned in because people become delirious and go, what meeting? They play possum, right? And you say, right at the end of the meeting today. And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you say, okay, good. Um, so at the end of the meeting, it, it just hit me weird. It was different. I didn't understand it. Uh, you kind of stood up abruptly. You pushed in your chair with a little more force than necessary. And you said, I'll believe it when I see it. And you were talking about, the when we were talking about Project X. And consequently, I it alarms me because that that behavior tells me you don't believe in Project X. And so I am anxious and worried. What's up, George? And George is like, well, I just think it's a bunch of stuff that we're doing Project X or whatever his deal is. But like, I got to get in there with George because he's going to be a problem for me if if that goes on. And if I don't correct him then the other people on that project say to themselves, um, say to themselves, oh, Nicole lets people get away with nonsense. Right. That would be a leadership (laughs) mistake on top of the meeting behavior mistake, a mistake to not give that feedback. Exactly. Exactly. And, and here are the, you know, maybe, maybe even George says when I do that, you know, cause I'm doing it in the right tone. 
I'm practicing leadership presence. And, uh, you know, and I could extend the guy grace. I say, you know, like, I, that's so weird for you to just do that. What's up? Right. You know, and he says, right. oh, my God. He says, I got bad news. And this whole thing just seems like it's going to be more work on my plate. I was angry. You know, the guy lost his emotional intelligence. Now, if I'm a well-rounded leader, uh, I might say, you know, do you know what that's called when you get mad? And George goes, uh, getting mad? And you're like, no. No, it's this whole leadership trait called exec, uh, emotional intelligence. And they do a little teaching. Well, Nicole, like you said earlier, you're a teacher. You had an opportunity to do some teaching uh, with us here today. So I want to thank you. Thank for you. That. And um, again, our guest is Nicole Greer. You can um, learn more. Oh, there, there will be links in the show notes. Um, that LinkedIn article and, and more. Her website is Vibrant Coaching. Com. So, Nicole, thank you for being a vibrant guest. Um, I, I, I need to be, uh, I am not up to speed on this uh, C3 model. So there's an opportunity for me to give you more specific feedback after the fact, but I'll give the vague feedback and thanks. Uh, you know, for, Thanks for being a great guest, an energetic, yeah. vibrant guest. And uh, thank you for the time today. Yeah. And thank you for uh, having me on the show and extending me the grace and the opportunity to be here. I appreciate it. Well, thanks again to Nicole Greer for being our guest today. To learn more about her, look for a link in the show notes or go to markraben.com slash mistake 199. As always, I want to thank you for listening. I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes, how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work. And they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, myfavoritemistakepodcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.